Welcome to the Jesus Church Podcast. We're a family seeking to become like Jesus, empowered by His presence, to partner in God's creative work of restoring the world. We pray this episode encourages and equips you along the journey. We're all in process, becoming something. Like a potter throwing clay or an artist mixing color, our lives are being formed. Different backgrounds and experiences blemished and cracked. Each day, an opportunity to move into or out of all that God has purposed. So the question isn't if we are becoming, but rather who are we becoming? And in this family, we want to go on the journey of becoming like Jesus. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Molly. I'm the pastor of prayer here at a Jesus Church. I usually come up at the end of a teaching to lead us into a time of prayer ministry, but I get to be with you guys all day. Does that sound good? Woo! All right, well, we're going to be diving into the scriptures, and so if you need a Bible, we've got men and women who are passing them around. Just put your hand up. If you don't have a Bible to call your own, this is our gift to you. We are committed to reading the scriptures daily here at at Jesus Church, and so this is our gift to you. Um, But we're going to be continuing on in our series of Becoming Like Jesus, shifting our focus just a bit, just as Luke has shifted his priorities a bit as the narrative unfolds, to persistent prayer. And over the next three weeks, we are going to be anchoring ourselves in this practice of persistent prayer, to pray and not give up. So would you stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning? We're going to be in Luke chapter 11. It will also be on the screen for you, but flip there. Luke 11 says this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend And you go to him at midnight saying, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that in this text before us, you give us an invitation to be persistent in our prayers to you, to pray and not give up. Thank you for the invitation that whoever asks will receive. Whoever seeks, the door will be open. Let's knock together 
as a family, seeking the face of God, being relentless in our pursuit of asking our good Father to see his power on display as we are persistent in our prayers to you. So thank you, God, for this truth, this text, and would you anoint the words that come out of my mouth and would they be a blessing to those who receive it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen? You can take a seat. So friends, prayer is mysterious, it is powerful. It is how we grow in our relationship with God and it's probably the most intimidating aspect of the Christian life. We feel guilty for not praying more, we feel confused when it doesn't work, we feel excited when it does work, and then we go back to forgetting it even exists. This is the roller coaster of the human experience when it comes to prayer as followers of Jesus. There are not many that I come across that feel like they're absolutely killing it in prayer. Some of us are even a bit ashamed to admit the reality of our prayer life, thinking that people will consider us to be less spiritual or less holy if they found out how much time we actually spent praying. And so many of us spend more time talking about prayer than we do actually praying. That is so normal. If you feel like I'm reading your thoughts, everyone feels that way. So what does it mean to be persistent in prayer? To pray and not give up. Does it actually matter? And if it does, then how can we grow in it? These are the questions that we're gonna be spending our time this morning exploring. But before we do that, we first need to understand who it is that we are praying to. Our ability to show up to prayer persistently is deeply connected to our understanding of the power and nature of God. I don't want you to miss this. I'm gonna say it one more time. Our ability to show up to prayer persistently is deeply connected to our understanding of the power and nature of God. Persistent prayer is only doable insofar as we believe two things, that God can answer prayer and that he wants to answer prayer that God can and he wants to. So let's start in this place. Let's start in the place where we see that God can answer prayer. God can answer our prayers because he is all powerful. Matthew 28, 18 tells us that he holds all authority over the heavens and the earth, which means he holds authority over literally everything. But it is in our nature to be tempted to bypass the hard work of dependence on this all-powerful, all-authoritative God and instead look for shortcuts to satiate our desire for control, our desire for comfort, our desire to know things about ourselves, about others, and about our future. And so if we find ourselves tempted to choose instant gratification over dependence on God by drawing power from sources, other sources that are not the one true God, but rather little g gods. Yes, the scripture tells us that although Yahweh is the one true God, there are other little g gods who hold power without authority. What do I mean? God is Yahweh God. In a class all by himself, holy, set apart, none like him. I know this language might feel unfamiliar, but it is the language of the scriptures. Psalm 86 says, among the gods, there is none like you, Yahweh. Psalm 97 says this, Yahweh, you are the most high above over all the earth. You are exalted far above other gods. The first of the 10 commandments reads, you shall have no other gods before me. God warns us that though these little g gods may demonstrate power, do not worship these gods. Do not give your curiosity to them. Do not let them in your house. 
do not let them in your heart. Trust in Yahweh alone. And we see this pattern develop all throughout scripture. When the Israelites were told to go and claim the land that Yahweh had promised them all the way back in Genesis 12, in the book of Joshua, they are told to remove all other gods that exist in the land. Clear house, clean house. There were a lot of enemy nations that had occupied the land that God had promised them. And so before they fully inhabit it, he says, clean them out. There are other gods in this land and I don't want you touching them. I don't want you worshiping them. Joshua 23, seven says, do not invoke the names of their gods, the gods of the enemy nations, or swear by them. You must not serve them. You must not bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. But if you're familiar with the narrative of the Old Testament, you know that they keep the assurances of other gods just in case. They end up worshiping the goddess of Canaan, named Asherah, a goddess of fertility for the land, They end up worshiping a few gods of Baal who had influence over weather and over war. Essentially, what is taking place is that the Israelites are unsure that God is gonna come through on his promises to provide for a fruitful land, to provide for provision for rain and sun, for crops to grow, and for protection from enemy nations. And so they trust in other gods to do the work that God said he would do alone. So why are we talking about other gods? It's because I have sensed very strongly in preparing for this teaching that we so easily call idol worship or the worship of other gods a problem of the past. We try to convince ourselves in the church that the modern world's struggles are things like technology and greed, material things, not with worshiping other gods. That these gods, if you will, have nothing to do with what it means to be able to pray persistently to God. But I say all this Because if we want to be a people marked by persistent prayer, then we need to understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness. This city, friends, is filled with demonic powers and other gods that are here to steal, kill, and destroy. I do not say that to instill fear. Perfect love casts out all fear with what was accomplished on the cross, but I share this because I think we have gone far too long without a proper modern day teaching on what it means to worship our God alone in this city. We are sleepwalking through this reality sometimes, so I wanna make sure that we are awake in this room when I say this. There are other gods that hold some level of power and we need to be sure that we are giving our allegiance to the one true God alone who holds all power and all authority. So out of curiosity, I went on Apple Maps and I counted over 60 psychic shops in the greater Portland area and there were so many more that I missed. I kept zooming in and three to five more would pop up. They are on every street corner. It is a mark of our culture just like the amount of coffee shops. Whenever I'm on TikTok minding my own business, every five to 10 minutes, there is like a psychic medium that pops up on TikTok Live to try and entice me to trust in her. New Age retreats, they're more attended than Sunday gatherings in this city. Everyone wants to know their astrological sign and how that's gonna impact their love life this week. I'm aware there might be a little bit of a generational bent toward this kind of thing. It does seem like the millennial generation and Gen Z have been exposed to this and swimming in this pool way more than others, but it serves as a warning to everyone in this room, regardless of your age. God has had this heavy on my heart for some time now, and I am so aware that there are a lot of people in this room that just genuinely don't know that there are demonic powers and powers of darkness that rest behind things like psychic readings and chakras 
and horoscopes and tarot cards. All of this stuff, which can broadly be categorized as witchcraft, do not let them in your house. Do not let them in your heart. This stuff has power too, and it's keeping us from walking in the power and presence of God alone. I want you to imagine that a stranger knocks on your door and asks if he can come inside. And so you let him. You explain that you're late for a meeting, but that the stranger can make themselves at home, and so you proceed to go upstairs to take the meeting. When you come back downstairs, all of your stuff is gone. Did he have the authority to take your things? No, of course not, they don't belong to him. But did he have the power? Who let him in? This is how it works. By no means did you give this man authority to rob you, but who gave him access to the contents of your home? Who gave them the power to do so? The Big C Church needs to be speaking up about this and calling this darkness that these gods, these demonic powers have over our people. An article from the New York Times shared this, um, that people go to psychic readings for the predictions, but they stay for the ongoing counseling and therapy. People wanna know what their future holds. They wanna be in control. They want to trust in a power greater than themselves. And the invitation is on every street corner in this city. And it's enticing because it appeals to our desperate desire for, to control our future and to find peace fast with the least amount of effort. This quote from Jackie Hill Perry puts it so well. She says, the enemy is trying to destroy an entire generation of Christians with witchcraft. He wants us to consider alternative sources for power when it comes to prayer, joy, peace, right mind. And I think some of the blame for that is the church. If God is the one who was, who is, and who is to come, that means he is already in the future right now. We don't need psychics with a limited understanding of the future for this. Do not play with the devil. The Lord gave the church authority to trample over serpents, not to submit to them. So I've gone down this path to say this. We pray because God is all-powerful, the one who was, who is, and is to come. And he has all authority over this world and this kingdom. And so when we pray, we pray persistently to a God who hears, who listens, and who answers. But when we find power in a God that is not Yahweh God, when we seek out our answers to the things that we've prayed for and have not yet been heard in tarot cards, in hope, in a reading on our hands without lifting our hands in worship, we've invited a stranger into our house and they will rob you of everything you own because you gave them the power to do so. You let them in. Our God is the one true God, the God over all other gods. There is none more powerful than him. And therefore, the eternal healing and hope and joy and peace that you long for can only be found in the power and authority that rests in God alone. Amen? Amen. Friends, it will never benefit us to trust anyone more than God. Let me say it one more time. It will never benefit us to trust anyone more than God. All he asks is that you worship him alone, that you trust in him alone. Don't let the little G gods into your house or to your home, to your heart with the promise of the assurance of a limited future that will leave you empty and hopeless. God wants you to be free in his love 
and has a hope for your future better than you could imagine. He can answer prayers. And not only that, he wants to answer prayers. I think it's hard for us to truly believe in the depths of our hearts that God wants to answer our prayers. Maybe you've had an internal dialogue that sounds like this. I wonder if God has time for what I'm asking for. I wonder if he will be in a good mood when I ask him. I wonder if he thinks what I'm asking for is dumb or unworthy of being asked. So this might not be the language you've ascribed to your internal thoughts, but I think it's what sits behind the reason why we don't bother God with our prayers sometimes. Because the model that we were given as children, or maybe even as adults, was that those in authority, whether a parent or a teacher or a boss, doesn't have time for you to waste on foolishness and things that don't matter to them. And I think that's what separates those who pray on occasion and those who pray and keep on praying, who pray and are persistent in their prayers, who never give up. They know that the God on the other side of their prayers loves that they are talking to him, cares deeply to know every word, every thought, every concern, that he has all the time in the world, literally, and that there is nothing too small and nothing too big. My favorite coffee shop in Portland is Never Coffee. Do we have any Never Coffee fans in the room? It's a very niche. Uh, we got some head bobs, okay, great. It's a great coffee shop downtown, uh, but it exists in the middle of a construction zone essentially right now, and so I was heading down there one day with my son Theo just to grab a quick, quick cup of coffee, and there was not a parking spot in sight. Tons of construction everywhere, and so I grip the wheel and I say, Jesus, I know that you are so busy and that the thing that I'm about to ask is a little petty and a little silly, and you have so many more things that you could be answering, but I would love a parking spot in front of Never Coffee. And friends, I went through this internal dialogue of like, this is not a salvation prayer. This is not a prayer to help those in need. This is a selfish prayer. I just don't wanna walk in the rain with my nine-month-old son who happens to be just like so heavy these days. And just as I'm done praying, a car pulls out right in front of Never Coffee and I'm able to park right in front of the front door. Friends, this is a prayer that, yeah, we could go for that, that's awesome. <laughs> Parking prayers, they're powerful. There is nothing too small for God. Bother him with the things that you feel are insignificant because he cares and he wants to demonstrate how much he loves you, even if it's in the form of a parking spot. There's nothing too small. There's also nothing too big. Uh, months three through six of my son's life, uh, he didn't really know how to sleep very well, if at all. He was up every 45 minutes in the night, and my husband and I were exhausted. We were disintegrating. We had nothing left. We were averaging about two hours of sleep a night for about three months, and we were tired. We were tired. And every single night, I would pray harder than I've ever prayed before. I'm sorry to anyone that I've prayed for in the front, but I wasn't praying as hard as I was that night. I was calling heaven down to get this kid to go to sleep. Night after night, persistently praying, hearing absolutely nothing, still waking up every 45 minutes. I got to a really deep and dark place on month, in month five and saying, I am the pastor of prayer, and if I can't even testify that prayer works, what are we even doing? Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you should talk to God that way, but I am saying that the Psalms give us permission to come raw and real before him, and that's what that looked like that night. 
But friends, I am able to testify in month 10 that I have a baby that sleeps 12 hours through the night and takes solid naps. Yes, that we can clap for because I am a well-rested human being now. But I never gave up. And there were times where I absolutely felt like this was so silly, this is so pointless. There is not even a God on the other side listening to these prayers. I say that to say that you're not alone. The pastor of prayer here is admitting failure before all of you. But we pray and we don't give up because God wants to answer prayer, amen? Amen. In case those stories didn't do it for you, I've got several scriptures that say that God wants to answer prayers. They're gonna be up on the screen, but I'm gonna rapid fire through them. John 14, 13 through 14 says this, whatever you ask for in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. John 16, 24, in that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, I say to you, if the Father, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Psalm 66, 19 through 20, but certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his loving kindness from me. Second Chronicles 16, nine, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. John 15, seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say to you, all things which you've asked for and prayed, believing you will receive them, they will be granted to you. Matthew 21, 22, and all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Hebrews 4, 16, therefore let us draw near in confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to find help in time of need. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. God wants you to come to him with everything. Ask him, he will respond, he is for you. He wants good for you. And simply put, we have not because we ask not. And so we pray and we keep on praying because because God can answer prayer, but not only that, he wants to answer prayer. And if God can and if God wants to, then what are we waiting for, right? In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, Daniel prays for deliverance for the people of Israel for 21 days straight. He is pleading with the Lord and hears nothing for 21 days. It's all he's doing, day and night is praying and he hears nothing. The text explains that at the end of 21 days, he had no strength left. And at the end of 21 days, the text says that an angel comes to him and tells him that the Lord heard his prayer the moment he prayed it, but that there was demonic oppression and a spiritual battle going on with some of the little G gods of Persia. And the angel could not get to Daniel until then. So what do we learn from this narrative? Daniel prayed and he did not give up. It would have been so easy on day one, day two, day three to see that nothing was happening, God wasn't coming through, to just give up. 
Secondly, we learn that God heard him the moment he prayed, the moment, according to his request. So why did it take so long? Because a battle was taking place and Daniel's prayers helped to contribute to victory because he prayed and did not give up. Friends, how often have we prayed once, didn't see our answer immediately, and then gave up assuming God didn't hear us, when in reality a spiritual battle is taking place, God is fighting for us. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Another example of this, in Mark chapter eight, people brought a blind man to Jesus to be healed. And so he spit in some mud and put his hands on his eyes and said, do you see anything? And the blind guy answers and says, I see people, but they look like trees. In other words, it did not work. So what Jesus does is he lays his hands on his eyes again and asks that they would be opened. Jesus was persistent. He prayed and kept on praying. I love this quote from George Mueller. He says, the great fault of the children of God is they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. This man, George Mueller, built an orphanage on the basis of prayer alone. He was trusting in God every single step in the way. When they didn't have food, he would get all 300 orphans to pray that God would provide breakfast. And there's this famous story one morning when they're praying of both an artisan baker and a milkman knocking on the door, asking if they could use any milk and bread because their extras were gonna go bad, not even two minutes after they had the whole gang pray together. Pray and keep on praying. Give God an opportunity to demonstrate his love and his power towards you. A woman named Susanna Wesley, she would be caught with her apron over her head and her Bible tucked underneath as her 10, yes, 10 children, played and caused chaos around her. She called it her tent of meeting because this is the place that she would pray and ask God to provide financial, financially for her family as her husband made some questionable decisions with their money. And she, got, she saw God provide and then some. God can answer prayers. He has all power and all authority over the principalities of darkness, over angels, over you and over me. And God wants to answer prayers. His heart is for those who trust him, who pray and never give up. We, ha we do not have because we do not ask. But we have an important part to play in all of this. So I want to leave you with a few invitations. The first, some of you may have noticed that we've got a camera situation ha uh, set up in the back. We want to capture the testimonies that exist in this church family. I know that there are men and women in this room who have been persistent in their prayers and seeing God do miraculous things, and we wanna capture them on film. At the end of this three-week mini-series on persistent prayer, we wanna show a video testifying to the faithfulness and goodness of God of the stories that exist in this room. And so at the end of this gathering, would you consider strongly sharing your testimony with us? You're just gonna answer two simple questions. What did you pray for and what did God do? It'll be short, sweet. We'll have a few coaches over there to help you if you're a little shy in front of the camera. But we wanna capture the stories that exist in this community. They are powerful and they will increase the faith in this room to believe that God can answer prayers and that he wants to answer prayers. So please consider doing that at the end of this gathering. Stick around. We'd love to capture those on film. And there's a few... Uh, practical things that I wanna invite us to do over the next three weeks. We've got 21 days just like Daniel. 
And I wanna see what we can do with our persistence in prayer, asking that God will answer these things. And so, three invitations. The first is we're gonna pray for something personally. What is something, one thing that you wanna see God do in your life over the next 21 days? Every single day at 9 a.m., we're gonna pray for that thing. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a community. Maybe it's for healing for your mom. Whatever it may be, every single day at 9 a.m., we are gonna set our alarms. We're gonna type in the little memo what it is we're praying for. And every day, we are gonna pray for that one thing. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be this 10-minute prayer. Just say, Jesus, would you fill in the blank? Every day at 9 a.m., Every day at 12 p.m., we're inviting the entire church to pray for our financial season. Tim shared last week that we are in a bit of a financial famine and we wanna see the radical generosity of God demonstrated in our church. And so we're gonna pray every day at 12 p.m. You can come and join us Monday through Thursday. We're gonna pray for about 10, 15 minutes. Take your lunch break, come pray with us. But if you can't make that happen, set your alarm for 12 p.m. and pray for our church. And then at 5 p.m., we are gonna pray every single day for our city. I shared a lot about the demonic strongholds and the powers of darkness that rest on every street corner in our city. But friends, we have an invitation in the authority that Jesus has given us to ask that he would expand the territory of the kingdom of God, that his light would fill this city, that darkness doesn't have to have the last word in the city of Portland, amen? amen. So let's pray together every day at 5 p.m that Jesus would fill his city with his light and that he would take back territory in the name of Jesus. So at 9 a.m., what are we praying for? Personal prayer. Personal prayer. 12 p.m., what are we praying for? Church Perfect, and 5 p.m., what are we praying for? The city, every day for 21 days. God can do a lot in 21 days. Let's come before him boldly, before the throne of grace, right now. Yes, starting today, and every day for the next 21 days. Great question. And we're gonna see all that God can do. We want to see the more of God at work in our lives, in the lives of our church, and in the lives of people in this city, a city that Jesus loves. We want to trust in God's power alone and to pray, and we need God's help to do this. We cannot do anything apart from the power of God. So would you stand with me as we pray? We pray, come Holy Spirit. We know that you are here with us, that your presence is here with us, but we want to acknowledge that God, we can do nothing without you. That if we wanna do the things Jesus was about, we need your help. So come Holy Spirit. And with your eyes closed and your hands open, let us just receive the truth of God's word. God, you are powerful. You hold all authority. We give our allegiance to you and you alone. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you can answer prayer. But not only that, you are not just a God who says you can. You are a God who says he wants to. And so we thank you that you are not some far off God, but a God who is near to us that you, Father, care about the things that we share with you. So God, we ask that you would give us courage, strength to trust in your power alone. 
There is nothing we can do apart from you. It will never benefit us to trust anyone but you. So God, we thank you for your power and your love that you are gracious to share with us in prayer. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to partner with us through giving, visit us at thejesuschurch.org.